Our fight to eradicate corruption, maladministration, unethical leaders, and the abuse of taxpayers' money by those in power continues. It's fresh, it's fearless, and focused. The Outer Hour, where your voice matters. Welcome to the show. Let me say hello to Andrea Corp, Senior Legal Project Manager for Outer, not Senior Legal Project Manager for Outer. Hello, Andrea. Hi, good evening, Tom, and good evening, everybody out there. It's always great to be here. Looking forward to a jam-packed and exciting full-up energy show. Andrea will be bringing us up to speed with the Vonneboom Airport saga. It's been going on for a while. She's reported back to us a number of times on the show, and she'll be giving us the latest update tonight. We say hello to Eric Nietling. Hello, Eric. Eric is the head of investigations at Alta, and he joins us from his home office. Hi, yes. Uh, hi, Tom. Hi, Wayne, Andrea. Um, and everybody out there, lucky to be here. And um, I was just been given the, the run around saying that this is my first time. It's not. I was in one of the first. Uh, yeah, yes, you're right. <clears throat> one of the first shout outs. So uh, I won't be singing tonight. No, we were going to make you sing the, the, the brand new uh, first timers out of our song. But yeah, you, you escaped yeah. it. Certainly not his first time. Uh, on Outer Hour and not his first time dealing with the thorny and prickly topics that pervade the news headlines in South Africa at the moment. The CEO of Outer, Wayne Divinage. Hello, Wayne. Nice to be with everybody tonight, Tom. Are you still sane, Wayne? How, how are we keeping sane in these crazy times? <laughs> we snowed under, hey? Um, uh, it just depends which way you look at it. But uh, without a doubt, uh, one can see and feel the pressure. Is, is, is growing every day in this country. Um, but at Outer, we're extremely, extremely busy. Um, the team's doing a lot of work and uh, we can feel it, yeah. Tonight, we'll be talking about the National Lottery Commission. We'll also be taking a look at COVID-19 corruption with Eric. Um, Andrea will be covering the Vonneboom International Airport saga. I call it a saga because it's ongoing. And Wayne will be giving us some back, uh, well, I suppose some feedback uh, after we, uh, you wrote your opinion piece uh, on Selga. Uh, and, uh, and, I, and I believe there was a, a, I saw in the media, there was a response from Selga that, were, you know, having saying, oh, no, why is out of picking on us? We've had clean audits, etc." So, so so I can't wait to get into the meat of that discussion. That's coming up on the show tonight. Let's get to your messages quickly. I'm going to bypass all the no sound messages. Nicola, Nicola Jane Good is on board. Nice to see Nicola Jane Good on board tonight. Jeff P. Scott is on board. Hello, Jeff. Nice to have you with us. And uh, we've got Anton Bernardo who's on board. Um... Nicola Jane said, talk slower so we can lip read. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think so. Uh, Skulk Schutz is on board. Suzette de Jong is on board. Um, uh, Andrea Korf is on board. She's in the room, so why don't you say hello to Andrea? She's uh, with you right now. And you can start chatting to her in the comments section. Uh, Richard Fleetman is on board. Mark Wetzelaar is on board. Donnie Hayward uh, from Kempton Park. Hello, Donnie. Good to have Kempton with us tonight. Um, Anne Mountford says, good evening all. Lots of lovely messages coming through tonight. Colin Barnes says, hello from Port Alfred. I was talking about Port Alfred with a colleague today, actually. That's where you've got that big air school that trains so many pilots. Um, Anita Wales says, the sound is good now. Thank you, Anita. We're going to appoint you the head of sound for the outer hour. That's your new permanent position on a Wednesday night. Don't mess it up. I normally do. <laughs> right. um, Warren Fouché says, are you allowed to make one mistake a day? That was my one, and I won't make another. Um, Anami Stuart Devet. Hello, Anami. Anami says, hi, guys. Bertus Devet is on board. Hello, yellow awesome people, says Bertus. Barry Labaskachny says, hi, guys. Brendan Slade says, hi, all. Uh, Leona forgives me from Cape Town. Thank you, Leona. Heinz Brunner says, hi, all. Tato Monometsi says, good evening, infidels. <laughs> That's an old comedy line, isn't it, from the puppets, I think. Uh, Desmond... Desmond van Breda says, good evening, Alta and Tom. 
Uh, Wayne Peterson says, good evening. Well, there are a lot of people here. Yochi Fulion puts his hand up and says, present. Thank you, Yochi. Alan Sharnak says, good evening, Outer. And while we've got all these people on board, yes, you, hit that like and share button and let's get this program out to as many people as we can. Uh, Michael John Billsbury is on board. Nice to see Michael with us. Thank you, Michael. Nice to have you with us. Alan Wallman from Tel Aviv in Israel. I think that's uh, possibly the first or second time we've had a, a viewer from Tel Aviv. Nice to have you on board. Jean Her Her I think it's Jean, Jean or Jean Hubert from Plet is on board. Thank you. Leona just wants to rub it in saying the lovely weather. Uh, they're having lovely weather in Cape Town. Terry Maxwell from London. We've missed you, Terry. Good to have you back. Jonathan Murphy from the USA. Grut Brakrafir is on on board tonight whoo and one more shall we jonathan murphy from the usa and andre yonk from uh oh, that was hurt brackrafia reporting for duty everywhere but velterfrieden park where i hail from at least for the last eight months let's get into the show shall we and start with uh the investigations with our out as head of investigations into uh, into uh, two matters that we'll address tonight the first is COVID 19 corruption I think, uh, like you, I've been watching the president's addresses to the nation, uh, and when the COVID funding was released, we were assured that uh, the COVID funding would be, or the monies would be spent responsibly. The last week or so in the news headlines, we have seen stories of corruption, or at least the smell of corruption around COVID-19 funding. What is going on? To answer that question, Erich joins us now. Erich is the head of investigations for Alta. Erich, give us a summary of, uh, of corruption around COVID. COVID-19. What are you discovering? Um, <clears throat> we uh, we set up a, a, a website, we redesigned our website in, in the terms of drawing some whistleblower reports, and it's it's starting to come through. But I think before I before I go into what we've seen, I think we need to look at why we're seeing what we've seen. Yes. Um, the uh, if if one looks at the, the time period just before before lockdown, what did the country actually look like? Um, we sat in a space where the country was already in a recession, we'd already, already been declared junk status and the likes. The economy's in a mess. You know, you have SAEs being bailed out or not. Um, and you have municipalities, which have been covered so much, um, that are in, in various states of disrepair and the likes. And then, of course, you have 10 years of full fridge and looting that, that preceded this. Um, we're talking about networks of patronage that have already been established. Um, you're also sitting with a scenario where existing role players are within the seats to make certain decisions should any any procurement uh, opportunities come by. So as far as we're concerned, the perfect storm had actually just arrived in terms of in terms of procurement practices, especially within the COVID space. Um, and I think we're seeing it emerging on a on a day by day basis. To a certain extent, I'd even go as far as to say that our economic state was almost a pandemic in itself. So, what are we seeing? Uh, exact uh, uh, repeat of everything we've seen prior to COVID nineteen coming up. Uh, absolute abuse of procurement practices, breaking of every single rule, and um, very little oversight, very little enforcement. I, I wish I was surprised, Eric, but I think like most of the country, uh, stories of corruption do not surprise us anymore. Does it surprise you? Yeah, one, one needs to guard against becoming a little cynical, um, yes. but no, it, it, it doesn't surprise me. Um, the extent of it and the brazenness of it is, 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 is off, the, off the charts, I think, to a large extent, especially if one looks at the numbers. Um, not just in terms of the volume of these transactions, the value of the transactions, the nature of the goods that are being provided. It's, it's a mess. I'll get Wayne's reaction in just a moment, but we are looking for your comments and questions around COVID-19 funding. What questions have you got that you'd like to pose or put to the head of investigations or Wayne Divinage? Uh, put them in the comment section down below this video and we'll see how many we can answer or address or respond to during this segment of the show. Don't forget, we've got the Vonderboom Airport saga as well as Salga in our discussions tonight. Looking forward to your comments and questions. Pop them in the comment section down below. Wayne, uh, your comments around COVID-19 uh, corruption? Well, it's just so sad that, you know, re relief funds are being plundered as well. Um, and, and yes, you know, I think we've also got to be very careful to, as we just see so much speak, that all the money's gone and all the money's 
been plundered. Uh, it hasn't all gone or been plundered, but too much of it is, uh, is being wasted and plundered. Uh, and that's far too much. I mean, there shouldn't be any uh, waste. Uh, but it's, it's just shocking to see this happening. And the president has announced that they're putting in place uh, efforts. But quite frankly, uh, it's never enough. And that's why we have to do a lot more work that we do. And, 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 and uh, Eric's been very busy in beefing up our uh, whistleblower platform, our very uh, you know, private, uh, secure um, anonymous whistleblower platform, and we've been putting out messages into society to give us information, give us the hard facts, because when we get that, we can forward it on to the uh, criminal justice system, the SIU and others. So um, uh, I think that's starting to get traction now. Uh, we need evidence, the more evidence we can get. And, uh, you know, we've informed the president's office of that. They've acknowledged that they thanked us for that, for participating in this process. Uh, and yeah, it just makes us busier. It, 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 it takes our eye off. It doesn't take our eye off the ball of, of all our other work, but it puts more pressure on the team. Uh, and it's just um, we have to stay very vigilant. Eric, have you uncovered anything yet, or are you wanting people to come forward with information? Um, there has been some information that, is, that has been provided, but I'd, I'd rather not want to expand on it at sure. this time. We, we're still waiting for some additional information. But yes, we really want to call on uh, call on our supporters and people to come forward um, where there's any suspicions of this of this nature. I think if one can stop this thing from happening before it happens, <clears throat> it's that's 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 first price. Um, so yes, definitely. So please come forward and and make use of our of our website platforms. That anonymous and and it will allow us to to get the information to the right places if we're not in a position to do anything with it but um we've been building a lot of good relationships with with certain entities without the with uh, within the law enforcement space so yes uh, please provide us with what you see does COVID 19 funding and the times we find ourselves in uh, does it lend itself to more or less corruption you know i've I've been um, doing a little bit of reading about, you know, what happens in times of crux or, or flux specifically around government spending. And I, I want to almost coin many phrases like you have war profiteers, you have COVID tears now. Mm. Um, because um, if one looks at what happened during the course of the First World War, the Second World War, you had individuals that set up major industries, businesses, and, and they were basically making money off the state in support of, of the war effort. And I think the COVID-19 scenario is exactly the same the same kind of space. So you have COVID procurement practices happening. So you're looking at that at the one time, but then you also have past procurement practices that were also being lined up um, and uh, which will also continue unabatedly. You know, so it's almost like a double whammy in a certain respect. Um, and you're playing catch-up if you haven't put certain mechanisms in place prior to going into that spot. Let's take a look at some of the comments coming in. We'd like to welcome first-time viewer Koketso Resani, or is it Khesani, on board. Thank you, Koketso, for watching. Hope you enjoy the show. Um, there lots of, lots of talk about how the weather is in Greece. <laughs> Everyone wants to be sitting on a yacht in Greece. Um, Jody Cook wants to talk about the IMF loan and says, could business not intervene in communication to the IMF? What is Alta's stance on uh, IMF loans, Wayne? Well, look, you know, when, when Sir Ramaphosa announced the um, relief package and he spoke of 500 billion rand, included in that were loans from various uh, uh, entities, and IMF was always part of that uh, 500 billion. So, so here we have 70 billion of that being loaned. Um, it's a bit of a soft loan. In other words, it doesn't have the stringent conditions uh, attached to it that uh, that a normal loan would be uh, uh, would have. It was a very uh, a rapid uh, introduced, uh, rapidly introduced loan. Nonetheless, it's got low interest, one percent, but we have to pay it back. Um, and uh, what the IMF have, 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 have been convinced of by government because of one of the conditions that there would be transparency and accountability around this loan. Uh, and uh, so, you know, I, I think you'll, if you try and weigh all of this up, um, we have to get this country out the mess. 
and these relief packages were necessary. If we don't get the IMF loans and that we have bigger problems, but they add to our problems because mm. we add, have more debt to settle. Uh, and, and so those are the those are the difficulties. And what has to happen now? Civil society has to be given greater oversight. Uh, and that's what we're asking for. We're pushing for the transparency. I want to we're touch on that. Information so that we I want to okay. touch on that because here's what, here's what goes on in my head. As, as I, I'm exposed to stories of more corruption on outer mm. hour and in the headlines every day, it's becoming apparent to me that corruption is deeply rooted in, in this country. You know, we have the, 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 the names and the headlines, but it extends mm. way further than that. Uh, and and, and, it, and the, the ship that we need to steer is a huge one. Which yeah, it goes right down to local government level, goes right down to the trenches and the roads and the potholes that are being paid for and not delivered. Uh, it, it is rough. It's endemic. It is, it, is, it is almost bred into the system. And that's as a result of, uh, of the ANC's uh, lack of leadership, lack of uh, holding uh, their, um, their comrades to account. Uh, uh, we have uh, the, this catered deployment uh, approach, which, which means that we don't have to... Uh, you, you put the, your friends and family and, and connected cronies before you put uh, talent, the required skill sets in place. Uh, it is sad that that, uh, and we see it. We see, we we see people with and uh, with our own eyes that, uh, as I've said before, uh, are the CFOs of billion rand municipalities um, that wouldn't pass as a bookkeeper in some uh, big organisations running that t- type of money. Um, so yes, it's endemic. And, and people are going to take advantage of it because the oversight and the rule of law uh, is not uh, fully ensconced. But we've got to keep reminding ourselves, this is something that's got worse and worse every year, especially throughout the Zuma era. And it doesn't get fixed overnight. And we've spoken to the NPA, the SIU, the various people. They are trying to fix their capacity. There are people still from the Zuma camp sitting in these uh, entities with putting up the barriers and making life difficult. And, and we've got to keep reminding ourselves because everybody's on top of, you know, Cyril is, is useless. I'm not a Cyril proponent uh, or his promoter in any way. But ask yourself this, what, where would we be if the Zuma camp got into power? You would have the Nkosadzana Lamini Zumas as the president. You would have Tom Moyani and SARS. You would have Sean, Shane, uh, Sean Abrams still in the NPA. And, and while those entities are still fixing themselves, they would be 10 times worse than what they are today. So we must be careful what we wish for when we say, get rid of Cyril. What, what do you want? David Mabuza in charge. Do you want Esma Gashula? In the, uh, no ways. So we have to keep the pressure up on the president, on all the law enforcement processes. We've got a lot of work to fix it. It's The fix is coming. It's too slow. Yes, we must keep the pressure up. And uh, we've got to fix the corruption. There's a local election coming. There's a lot of fish to fry. There's a lot of cats to skin. There's a lot of things to do. Um, but if we get depressed, if, if we want to throw the baby out of the bathwater and just say everything is trashed, well, then that will be the reality. And we'll, we'll speak ourselves deeper into this hole. Let me point you towards a question from Sue Bassler. What plans are in place to get these, uh, those involved arrested and prosecuted and imprisoned? Is this just a pipe dream? And uh, I, I, I want to ask for your comments on a change that was made to the Zondo Commission uh, of Inquiry, uh, where uh, employees of, of the Zondo Commission will be able to work as consultants, etc., for state uh, agencies and be able to take the information from the Commission across. Is that a big uh, move? It, 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 was, it was fairly quiet yeah. on the headlines, but it seems like a big one. No, it was, was big, but I'm going to ask Eric to answer that. And I think he'll tell you, Eric, um, that, you know, we can't prosecute. The NPA prosecutes. The SIU mm. doesn't prosecute. Uh, but Erica, your views on, on, on those questions, uh, um, it's, it all seems like lost and well, nothing's happening. Why, why aren't you doing anything? Well, we can't do uh, everything. Um, it's not in our power. Uh, Eric, Eric, your views? Yes, in terms of, in terms of the, the, the changes around the Zona Commission, I think that's a huge plus. It's a, it's, a, it's a move in the right direction. I know that there's been a lot of uh, requirements or 
for, for access to the information at the Zondo Commission. So lifting up that gate is going to allow for a free flow of, of information into, into the ID and hopefully they'll move relatively quickly on it. Um, they'll obviously have to categorize certain cases and run them through. And I think if, if, if one had to look at, you know, pick a case and get it done, you know, work, work it through to, to it to the end and then you move on to the to the next case as well and i think that's pretty much what we've tried to do within the outer space where we take something on we finish um we don't just jump around and take on every next thing that comes around we, we we've decided from a project perspective we're going to take this on we will drive it as hard as we can up until the end and i think for instance the many case is an example of where you have the longevity to see something through for three years and also look at the repercussions of that so, in terms of the move between Zonda and the MPN, move of information or evidence, uh, fantastic to move in the right direction. Um, I think people need to also take cognizance of what different law enforcement agencies do. And unfortunately, they don't always work hand in glove. They tend to work within their own specific mandates. So, SIU investigations will have different outcomes as opposed to SAPS investigations. And all of them are dependent on various role players. Um, what has been coming out of, of similar kind of discussions around the world is there is no new normal. This is new abnormal. And we need to start thinking out of the box. There's a far greater emphasis on interaction between government, but not from a paternalistic perspective or a leadership perspective, but more a partnership perspective with private sector and business and civil society. And those working mechanisms need to start getting, to, getting into place very, very quickly because government, we are convinced and we've known now for the past 10 years, if not more, and then obviously also in a transnational crime environment, um, do not have the ability to stem corruption. You need mm -hmm. to prevent it as opposed to trying to detect it and investigate it after. Let's talk about pre preventing it. Tato Monometsi has a great comment saying, I think we can all agree the procurement processes are no longer working. If you know someone in the top echelon, then you get a tender as well. Is that not the, the, the root of our problems, uh, Eric or Wayne? Uh, that it's actually the procurement process uh, and, and what's allowed when it comes to procurement uh, in government that, that opens the door to corruption. It's, 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 you know, it's not illegal for my family member to do business with the department. I just say I had nothing to do with it. I recuse myself. I don't know about it. Uh, and, and there's no illegal act committed. Isn't it just too easy uh, for me to call up a friend or a relative and say, hey, there's this contract going or tender going here or there? And, and, and that's how it, you know, if we closed that door, it would make it that much more difficult. Isn't there more we can do when it comes to procurement processes? Well, I'll, I'll ask Eric to give you some insights as to some of the modus operandi and how they, they, they abuse the procurement system. But in short, we've got to get transparency uh, in the procurement process up front. I mean, we've got good laws. The processes are good, but they circumvent those processes. And, uh, and, and we've always said, and we're putting pressure on government now to make the whole procurement process as extremely transparent as possible, where we get society to be the watchdog. And, and the reason for that is exactly uh, this. Imagine, I think I've said this before, you have a uh, 20 million rand t uh, tender going out to build uh, 10 toilets. And that's what happens. That's what happened in the Eastern Cape. And because there's no transparency, um, the tenders are awarded, they put the specs in, and then they use the modus operandi, and then it happens, and then everybody's in the uproar. But the money's gone. The toilets haven't been delivered, they've been half delivered, and the money is gone. When it's transparent, when we're seeing the tender go out, when we're seeing the, what's happening, uh, and, and you know before the money changes hands that there's a 20 million rand deal going down here, and society knows that in those communities, bet your bottom dollar, that 20 million rand would not have been paid and we would have stopped it in its tracks because they're good people in every time. And that's what we've got to drive for and strive for. Electronic, online, open, very transparent uh, tender process. When we get that right, we'll stop so much of this. But Eric, I mean, how, how do they get around the good laws in it that, that, that we've got? Why, why does it slip through the cracks like this? I also want to know, Eric. <laughs> well, um, I just want to, be, before I answer that, I just want to put something out. For, for, for the listeners of you is 
I would I think it would be interesting to see what kind of mechanisms that the Solidarity Fund put into place prior to starting issuing uh, funds to people that that um, applied to to, to to gain access to those funds as opposed to government's relief funds. What what kind of mechanisms were put in place there and what effectiveness have they had in terms of making sure that the money ends up where it should as opposed to government relief funds? But that's just the just an aside. Um, so what kind of mechanisms do they utilize? Ultimately, um, it, it comes down to know your customer. Who is the entity that's actually asking to provide this service or good to you? And nobody really goes in and does the customer due diligence or the know your customer or that kind of thing in this, in this space. You have entities that are registered in 2019 that were registered as events coordinating companies that are all of a sudden pharmaceutical suppliers. Is that allowed where, I, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm an entertainment company today and then tomorrow I'm selling 100 million rands worth of masks and sanitizers? Is that allowed? It's allowed, but um, would it basically result in, in a product ending up where it should be? I mean, you can pretty much declare yourself being anything you would want to be. Um, but the question is... Are you who you proclaim to be, and do you have the ability to provide the good or service that you claim to be able to be? And that is not done. Um, the, the due diligence processes aren't followed. People don't even do something as basic as a, as a Google Earth search to see whether the address that's listed actually conforms to an address that looks like a business that would be able to provide a million N95 masks. I think the second issue that one ultimately uh, sees on a constant basis is the use of intermediaries intermediaries or, or, or fronting um, who then basically uh, import goods on behalf of, basically add their, their, their 10 cents to the product or, or to the price. It never gets delivered under lights. You also have ghost sales where goods aren't even delivered at all, but they're paid for. Remember, because a lot of these procurement or COVID-19 kind of goods are consumables. Like they tend to disappear. You know, yeah, how long are you going to use a, a three-ply mask? You're going to use it for a day or two a month, how many people for how long? So you could also have um, one company providing the same goods to multiple entities um, and taking the money and running. Why? Because they obviously have no fear of enforcement being able to cash them or, or to take the money out of the game. So what we're saying is vet the companies first before they're even allowed to apply for the funds. Got it. If they yeah. fall to a form of self-policing, then that allows you to set up a database which is a little bit more governed than one would expect from a normal treasury centralized database, which is literally just the listing of self-exercise. Bruce Stewart says the corruption will never be controlled whilst no one goes to jail. And a number of viewers have made this comment tonight. Unless we start seeing people going to jail, corruption will just continue. Is, is, is that correct, Wayne? Yeah. Yes, I mean, you know, as, as for as long as people who practice corruption can see that nothing is happening, uh, then they get more brazen. Uh, so without a doubt, um, and we saw that in the Zuma era, Zuma had their backs and they were they were made a lot of mistakes because they thought they'd be protected forever in a day. Well, the electronic fingerprints of their corruptions all over the place. You see it coming out in Zondo Commission, but now you're quite right. If, you, if, if there's no accountability, if people aren't uh, put uh, uh, behind bars, well, then they're going to continue. So, so that has to start happening. We've seen that starting to have traction starting to take place now uh, with the VBS. Uh, people being arrested. Um, yes, some of them have been reinstated into their jobs, and that, but that's an ANC matter. There are, there are, and we can see beyond the scenes, as I say very often, things are developing, just not fast enough. But as soon as people are rounded up, people are in court, people go to jail, uh, it does put the fear of God and of those who are practicing it. But we need, we, the net has to be cast a lot wider because, because there's so much of it happening. You can't have a thousand incidences of corruption a day happening. And, uh, and, and, and 10 people a day, let's say, it gets to that, getting uh, tried and locked up. It's not enough. So we have to get into the towns, into the local municipalities. We have rife corruption taking place and, and into the provinces and at national. This is a big picture uh, issue that has to take place. Coquetso says a good uh, start to fighting tender corruption is insourcing. Not everything needs to be a tender. Your comment? 
Yeah, I mean, we saw it in the, in the uh, Auditor General's report, 1.2 billion rand spent on consultants, and 56 to 59% of those consultants' work on the financial reports had errors in it. So we're paying for nothing. We're outsourcing because we got, haven't got the competence in the financial and management analysis and project analysis and, and management. And um, so you're quite right, Koketsa. You know, we pay these counselors to do the work. They can't do it or don't do it or don't want to do it, and they just outsource it to everybody. So so we're asking uh, COGTA and, and, and Treasury now to start putting in place rules to stop this. Uh, uh, you know, you don't, you don't employ um, a team of people to fix roads or cut grass and then outsource it as well and so you're paying twice for, for everything yeah we municipalities must start doing the work themselves that's the message let me ask eric what can the public do eric uh, uh what what can uh, south africans do what part can i play if i know of something or if i'm exposed to corruption when it comes to COVID 19 or any corruption how, how do i get in touch with you and how does that work um, in terms of getting in touch with us, easy. It's via our website or, or, or mobile. Just go onto the whistleblowing, uh, whistleblowing button and, and fill in what, what it is you've seen. Even if you only suspect a form of wrongdoing happening here. The thing is, you might not necessarily see it at your house, especially if you're sitting at home now, possibly because of lockdown scenarios and the likes. But there are a lot of people that are working in government that see the wrongdoing and that have reported this to us over over the months and over the years. And we have... We have acted on it. If you see it, report it. We might be able to do something about it. Um, I think also, you know, the de de democratic process doesn't start and end the day. You just draw a cross on a piece of paper somewhere and leave everything to the people you elected. You need to start talking to your to the people that you've elected at the various levels within which you're operating and start putting the pressure from a from a civil activist space. Become a civil activist in your in yourself. Because if we're not going to change the behaviours, we're always going to be playing, be playing catch-up from, from an enforcement perspective. Here's a question that I can't ignore. I'm going to put it to you, Wayne. It comes from uh, Tepo too. Tepo says, hi, Alta. When are you going to talk about the public, uh, to the public uh, about the list of contracts awarded by Western Cape government under the DA-led government? Uh, let's confine it to COVID-19 spending for now. Or are you only focusing on provincial governments, municipalities, SOEs, Chapter 9 institutions managed by the ANC? I will listen on the radio. Wayne, your response? <laughs> yeah, we get this often, you know, we're just challenging ANC-led uh, institutions. Not at all. I think we've tackled the uh, DA head-on, and, and Andrea is in the room. She can mention it just now about the work we're doing in, in uh, Milnerton. Uh, we've tackled, uh, uh, personally tackled Helen Zillas head-on with regards to her stance on tax revolts and that. Uh, we've tackled them in Hammond's Crawl when it fell under the DA. Uh, on their water issues, so not at all. Just uh, it, it is unfortunate, and and, and if uh, Tepo goes and reads the Auditor General's report, he will see that in local government, uh, all the clean audits came out of uh, DA run, uh, or literally all of them came from DA run uh, councils. Now I'm not plugging the DA at all because we are apolitical. I'm just saying the reality is that the corruption is more rife and deeper uh, in ANC led. Uh, towns and cities when it comes to local government. That's a fact. I'm not uh, uh, sucking that out of my thumb. Go and have a look at it. Um, but we tackle corruption from whence it comes, not from which party runs the town. Uh, we, ha we do tackle the DA as well, uh, but they're not in, in, in charge. And in, in, in the SOEs, all the catered deployment in SOEs, uh, uh, it takes place uh, through appointments made by Latuli House, literally. Uh, when it comes to municipal managers and that, uh, we know the process. It is the uh, people in, in province that have a lot of say as to who are, are appointed. Political interference that takes place. And sadly, that's the reality. Uh, but, but don't uh, try and put us into a box of supporting the DOE. We challenge them as well. Gavin Holmes says, why not use the traditional government instrument of full disclosure for indemnity? And then, and then uh, the people in the know can come forward without being jailed. What do you think of that? Eric? I mean, um, I wish you could. <laughs> <laughs> 
it can it, it it does pose certain benefits um, i mean the country has a has a history where, where that kind of mechanism was applied in terms of the tax amnesty a few years ago especially pertaining to to non-compliance around the tax base as well as exchange control issues with the uh, with the reserve bank and that that allowed government to recoup a lot of money with with the uh, with penalties and interests and the likes being being waived I, I would I would venture to guess stating that something like that can be beneficial, but it needs to coincide with certain other certain other mechanisms in place so that you don't have uh, a repeat mechanism put into place or incentivize future corruption um, occurring because there's no repercussions as well. But I think we need to take stock of the extent of what we have, and that would typically be a mechanism that can allow for that. You're watching The Outer Hour, and Eric Neertling has joined us, Outer Head of Investigations. If you've missed the last couple of minutes, uh, I can fill in the blanks, and that is if you are aware of any corruption taking place, or even suspicious when it comes to corruption in your government uh, sector or department, you can contact Outer uh, by going to the website, outer.co.za. There's a whistleblowing platform. You can remain anonymous as well. Outer will protect your identity, uh, and that is the root into outer when it comes to supplying any kind of information that you may have outer.co.today this show is put together by Banele Sinatla in the comments section tonight head of comms and marketing for outer Samantha van Nispen and Ivor Cleary are chatting to you where you see the outer banner that's uh, Samantha and Ivor and we've got uh, some of the team on board tonight Eric and, and then a familiar face, Andrea Korf, as well as Wayne Duvenage, the CEO of Outer, taking your questions. We're going to move on to um, Vonneboom in just a moment, but I wanted to ask you about uh, the latest when it comes to Eskom, Wayne. I see uh, that the High Court ruled in Eskom's favor yesterday, effectively telling them or opening the door to, uh, is it a 15% increase? That's not good news. <coughs> No, it isn't. Um, I think uh, that's uh, an indication of NERSA not uh, applying their minds and, uh, and bringing their cases uh, for refusing or trying to control the, uh, the increases. I mean, this is a problem that's gone right back to 2007 with the, with the um, multi-year price determination process and the RCA process. It's, um, it's become messy. Uh, and, and, and I think, uh, yeah, the courts ruled in Eskom's favor for the right reasons as far as litigation goes, but the wrong reasons from a civil society and a citizen's point of view. Yeah. But just know this, that um, Eskom's in a mess. Uh, it's one of those entities that we can't do without now until we all get our solar panels on our roofs and we become less reliant on them. Uh, and until then, um, Eskom cannot fall over. And if it doesn't get the funds it needs, well, the other choice is switch off the lights then, and then we'll see uh, if, if we will respond to an, a 10% uh, increase or 15%. So we don't want them to get these increases. Unfortunately, they're a necessary evil, and we have to we have to put the pressure on them to become more efficient. And we've got some good projects there in getting greater transparency out of Eskom, by the way, we went to court this week. Esme van Heerden would like to know if any legislation has been written to protect whistleblowers. What is there more that can be done uh, to protect whistleblowers in South Africa? I mean, we're hearing of reports of journalists being intimidated in the last week or so that are uh, journalists investigating corruption. Can we do more as a country to protect whistleblowers? Really? Yes, I think we can do we can do far more legislation-wise. We've got the Protected Disclosures Act, um, protected. Uh, protection from harassment and all those kind of things. But what we're seeing is that it does very little because the Protected Disclosures Act relates to the individual in his capacity as an employee. And it's not necessarily in their capacity as a citizen per se. So there's, there's definitely a lot of work that needs to be done around whistleblower protection and creating platforms for whistleblowers to, to come forward. And I think organizations like Alta, as well as the media, has, has, has done remarkable work in creating platforms for the whistleblowers to, to come forward. I mean, if one thinks about it, the Gupta leaks were provided by whistleblowers, and if it weren't for them, uh, we wouldn't be having this discussion from a, from a, from a certain perspective. So uh, a lot more needs to be done. And, and from I can with honesty say within the outer space, we are definitely looking into expanding our role around 
um, how we can engage whistleblowers, advise whistleblowers, um, as well as trying to find a form of uh, support networks for, for whistleblowers as well, you know, with, with individuals that have assisted us in the past. So um, for, for, for this fight for corruption to be taken forward, the importance of whistleblowers cannot be overemphasized. And I just want to add that, Tom, um, we are working with business leadership. We have meetings with them now on doing exactly what uh, Eric's saying, expanding it. Um, when we started out in our new journey in 2016, uh, we did quite a bit. In fact, we, 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 we got involved in the legal cases, the labor law matters of a couple of whistleblowers, um, testing whether we can go there. Uh, assisted them, but it became very costly, and we were wiping out our uh, our provisions. So we had to stop doing that. As much as we want to help all whistleblowers, um, we just couldn't get into the labour space. It was slightly outside our mandate. Mm. We get calls very often to do that, um, and we and, and it's so hard not to go into that space. So hopefully, we can we can start building a fund, a separate fund with business leadership, SA, and other entities and get the ball rolling in greater protection for whistleblowers because they are so necessary, are so important to the fight against corruption, uh, and yet not enough is being done for them and to protect them. Uh, so a lot of work has to be done there. Let's move on to uh, Vonderboer. Yes, Eric, go ahead. I, I just want to add one thing there as well, you know, just as one basic rule of thumb, um, and, and we're busy drafting a, a document of sorts to assist whistleblowers, but there's... Through our consultations with international experts throughout the world, one thing is, is, is clear is that whistleblowers do not know what their rights are. They don't know what the mechanisms are that are at their disposals. But most importantly, they don't know what the pitfalls are to them once they've actually blown the whistle. So I'd really like to make a call on all, all our listeners, people out there. If you are considering blowing the whistle, contact us first before blowing that whistle. Let's have a chat and see what it is you want to disclose. And let's find a way for you to disclose in such a way that you are protected as opposed to thinking that you're going to do the right thing. We've just seen too many victimization of individuals who think they are doing the right thing, that think they'll walk out of your ass and unfortunately in the South African scenario up until this far they don't. Got it. Thank you, Eric. Eric Netlang, the head of investigations for Outer. Let's. She's been waiting patiently. She has Andrea, our Andrea Korf, uh, to talk about the Vonderboom uh, International Airport project. Uh, I have a little story about uh, Vonderboom. It will take 30 seconds to tell you, and you might enjoy this, uh, Andrea. Uh, years back, when I was a talk show host on a commercial radio station, I was invited to a, a, a day at Vonderboom where all of us uh, talk show hosts and journalists were given a chance to fly with an instructor in a little Piper, uh, Piper Cherokee. And I have always been fascinated with aviation. This was years before I actually went and started flying, so I'd never flown an aircraft before. Uh, and I was sitting in the plane twiddling with the instruments when the, the, the instructor came along and he says, oh, do you fly? And I thought, what have you got to lose? I said, yes. <laughs> and when I, didn't th I didn't realize when we got to the runway that he said, okay, well, you take off. But I had enough knowledge to put the throttle in and pull back at the right moment and I took off uh, and he told me to level out at seven and a half thousand feet. And at some point, this guy looked at me and he said, you've never flown a plane before, have you? I said, no. And, uh, and, and he, he said, I've got control. And he took control of the aircraft. And I said, well, how did you know that I didn't know? He said, well, we were busting through seven and a half thousand feet on our way to nine when I realized you weren't watching the altimeter. So that's my experience of Vonneboom Airport. I've got this lovely memory of, 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 of Vonneboom and I've flown out of there on a number of occasions. Just put us back into the picture because it's been a while since we've spoken about this. What was the original problem that you were dealing with when it comes to Vonneboom International Airport? It is an international airport, isn't it? Well, uh, yes, Tom, yes and no. And I'll get to that a little bit later okay. on. But basically, just to put everybody in the picture again, is we've received a couple of whistleblowers coming forward. And just it just ties into what we have been discussing tonight. It's twofold. Number one is municipality again. And secondly... It is whistleblower information. So we were approached by various whistleblowers concerned about uh, possible tender irregularities be, uh, happening at the Bonneguim Airport. Now, that was the scope of our investigation, and that's where the project started. So our initial 
whole scope was to investigate this this contract or this company that was appointed as airport managers called Professional Aviation Services. Because we, uh, through our whistleblowers, um, they told us that uh, the way or the, the reason why PASS got the contracts was through deviations. Now, I'm sure Eric can also tell you that that's one of the ways that procurement processes can be flouted, is mm. that an emergency deviation can be accepted. Now, or a deviation can be accepted on the grounds of the emergency. So in 2017, the South African Civil Aviation Authority conducted their routine checks at the Bornebrook Airport and made certain findings and told the city, because remember, Bornebrook is a municipality-owned asset. The city of Twane owns the asset, so they need to manage it. But they appointed PASS, which is the Professional Aviation Services, to manage this airport. Now, Civil Aviation Authority made certain findings and said, if you don't get your act together, we are going to take away the airport's license. So that was the reason for the city to appoint PASS. Now, something smelled fishy, so we investigated it. After investigation and consulting whistleblowers, and then also subsequently having met with PASS, a different type of picture emerged and a way scarier picture. So that is basically what's happening. And this is still an ongoing um, project. It's a big problem. And unfortunately, the status of the municipality, the city of Twani, doesn't help the situation, but it just increases the, the potential issues that we have seen. So what happened uh, to professional aviation services at Vonnebuem National Airport since the last outer hour session? Right. So since our last our after our session we published a press release calling on or trying to engage with the city first of all then we published a press release just putting these allegations or the things that we've received from the whistleblowers in the media the day after that um the then uh, mayor of the city of twani held a press conference saying that professional aviation services have given notice of termination of the contract and that uh, advisory panel or advisory transactional advisory committee will be appointed. Now, the company then appointed was called MTS or Trading. So they were in a week's time appointed. Apparently, there was a tender, they tendered, they were awarded the tender, and they were then appointed as the transactional advisory committee to appoint an airport manager. Just a, just a side note is what is interesting from the transactional advisory committee that was appointed. They, they never had managing airport experience. So <laughs> that, again, raised some flags with us. But with regards to PASS, like I said, we did consult with them, and they have also given us a lot of information with regards to what happened and what is happening at Bonnerwurm. And again, um, most scary picture is emerging, and we have consulted with them, but they terminated on their own volition the contract. And the reason for that is they said they didn't receive the cooperation from the municipality in order for them to execute their functions as airport managers. Uh, have you uncovered anything that you can tell us about and, and what are your next steps? Yes, basically what is very important is through this whole investigation and through the workings of our whistleblowers, we have found that there's almost, uh, it's actually more, that's only the reports we know of, almost 10 different forensic investigative reports that was conducted at the airport and then submitted to the city of Twining but yet no action, or we don't know whether or not those reports were actual. So that is, that, I mean, it's uh, 10 irregularities. It, it cites, um, for instance, if I can give you an example, there was the tender that went out for uh, the procure procurement and the building of a lift, like a, a lift in the main terminal building. Now, the tender was awarded, the amount was paid, but the lift was never delivered. So oh, right. there's no lift. Oh, no. So again, we're looking at this whole tender irregularities and stealing. But what is most concerning is that the Tuani municipality themselves conducted forensic investigations into all the irregularities, and still nothing has come from it. Andrea, what are the next, uh, what are the next steps? Right. So we have written to the city um, and we've received some very promising good news. As you, I don't know who else knows this, most of you would know it, especially if you keep your eyes on the news. But the problem with this project, and sometimes a hiccup, 
but it actually counts in our favor, is the fact that the municipality is placed under administration. So it's not the normal municipal council that actually runs the show now. It's the administrators who do that. And we have received engagements from the administrators who are administering Wonderboom specifically the project, and they are trying to engage with us in order to obtain those documents and to see what has been actioned and what has not been actioned. So it's a little bit of extra pressure being placed on the city now to eventually execute it. But so what are we doing now? We are placing pressure on the city. We are intervening. We have sent a prior request to the city formally asking for these these reports. We have sent uh, a prior request to the Civil Aviation Authority. We are looking at engaging with the Civil Aviation Authority just at the end of the day to uncover and to just to shake the tree. Because like I said, we have a couple of whistleblowers, but we still need more. There's so much going on there, so much illicit trading, so much corruption. And how do you eat an elephant? You eat it piece by piece. So that's what we're trying to do. And it looks like our pressure is succeeding. Good on you. Outer.co.za, if you've got any information, log on to the website. We're going to race through our next two topics, uh, get some updates from Wayne, and then we'll play our game, Know Your Province. How well do you know? And I'm not going to tell you the province now because everyone go on Google, uh, but I'll give it to you in just a moment. Right, Wayne, um, uh, you recently wrote an opinion piece uh, in the Daily Maverick on Selga's role. Uh, and in a nutshell, you have suggested that they are ineffective and unnecessary. Uh, earlier on, one of our comments uh, from, uh, I think it was Keith Sorensen, said uh, Selga doesn't feel that Outer is impartial. In fact, they've responded in the media to the uh, complaints that Outer has. You've laid two criminal co complaint charges over the oh, Sorry, that's the National Lotteries Commission. Let's go back to the article. Uh, and, 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 and what do you have to say about this back and forth that's now taking place between you and, 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 and Selga, Wayne? <laughs> Look... Um, SELGA stands for the South African Local Government Association. So you would imagine that if there's an association in local government, um, they would be playing a big role in making sure that local government doesn't get into this situation and the demise that it's in. And sure enough, you go into their website, look at their strategy, look at their uh, uh, what their role is, and they are there to ensure that the right skills uh, or help uplift um, uh, the skills for, for for local government to be effective. Uh, they're there to uh, ensure that service delivery uh, happens, that, that financial management is is good. They're also there to uh, negotiate on behalf of municipalities at the wage bargaining councils. and So there's, there's a big role, and it's a good role, and it's an important role. Well, the question then we ask is, so why is there so much rot? And, and if, if you claim that this is the stuff you do, well, clearly you failed. That was the that was the essence and the position of of uh, of, of my um, opinion piece. And we've discussed this uh, at Arts. And I've I've been in their offices and met with their CEO a number of years ago and asked them the same question. With all this corruption going on, I've never heard Selga speak up and say to the municipal managers, arrest those people, sort your problems out. We are going to you know, become a voice and a, and a, and a driver of the excellence in local government because we're a local government association. Um, nothing, nothing. And yet, every year, every month, these municipalities pay them a lot of money. They earn over 600 million rand a year. And they spend a lot of that money with these organizations that are supposed to be empowering and uplifting and, and, uh, and, and capacitating local government. Well, it's a waste of money as far as we're concerned. So I wrote this article about that. And, and another uh, quite interesting fact is that it's a voluntary payment that these municipalities make to sell that. They don't have to pay them. And uh, we heard when Herman Mashaba came into uh, power in, in, in Joburg, city of Joburg, must be one of their biggest contributors. He said, I'm not going to waste any more money on Selga. I'm going to question and stop this payment. Well, that set a cat amongst the pigeons. And a lot of other municipalities have set up. Now, there's a lot of broke municipalities as well. They can't afford this. They have no money. So where do they go? Where should they go to cut off and start saving money for their, for their ratepayers? Well, start by cutting out an organization like Selga, who's basically does very little, very little. 
And we knew that that would set a cat amongst the pigeons. A great discussion piece. We got feedback from around the country, from politicians, from people in government as well, saying, good point. Obviously, we knew that Selga would respond and retaliate. I mean, they have, they they have said protect- that they would engage with you. They opened the door to engagement. Now, you say you've met with them before. Well, what, what They haven't engaged. So, so Tom, um, so I expected the personal attack and choose Bob. There it came. They, uh, their COO uh, wrote, wrote a piece. Um, not the CEO, uh, I don't know why, but I don't care. And it was a personal attack on me saying that I have ambitions to go into government. Well, really? Uh, where do you get that from? Where do you suck that from? So they start surmising and, uh, and, 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 and writing absolute nonsense. But that's fine. Obviously, we touched the nerve. Uh, they retaliated. And that's, I mean, it was a laugh. I actually enjoyed reading it, had a good chuckle, got a lot of feedback from others who'd read it. Um, and it was just a true to form uh, a response that they that they put out there. Today, I had a piece in the uh, News 24, just explaining to government, because not only to Salga, just to government in general, your critics are not your enemies. If you have the foresight of seeing and world-leading organizations improve their businesses by looking at their complaints and what their critics have to say about it. That's how you improve business. You focus on the stuff you do well and keep doing that well, and you and you take the learning of what you're doing wrong from your customers and the people who criticize you and improve on that. Well, government seems to have this view that, no, let's put our head in the sand. Uh, maybe the problems will just go away. And the critics who pay our salaries, by the way, well, they aren't really important to us. Well, now you might start understanding why. 60% of your money that you bill is not going to be get into the bank according to the uh, Auditor General and local government. So it started a great conversation. We will continue to beat this drum. Uh, Salga have said yes, they happily engage with us. Well, we're waiting for the invitation. It's not for us to go and say, hey, come and talk to us. Uh, they, want, they want to talk to us. We're happily engaged. We'll happily tell them exactly what they're doing wrong and why they should be more vocal on the serious issues of the demise and collapse of local government. Until then, uh, we'll continue to be constructive in our criticism, and we uh, will not get put off because uh, because they retaliate with personal uh, comments and, uh, and pushback. I mean, that's a joke. Finally, let's talk about the National Lottery. More and more stories in the news on a daily basis uh, around projects where money has been dispersed. The project never happened. Uh, You've laid two criminal complaint charges over the misappropriation of funds by the NLC. Uh, Just touch on that, Wayne, and we'll ask uh, Eric to fill in the details. Yeah, look, I mean, the National Lottery Commission has been known for corruption and misspending and misallocation for a long time. There are a lot of good people doing good work there. Uh, Ground Up is, uh, reports a lot on it. Uh, and, um, and we've been working on this project for some time. Got a lot of good information. I think Eric will tell you a little bit more about a good case. Uh, but senior people, that board needs to be fired. Uh, and, and we think we'll get there. Eric, your, your views on yeah, the Yeah, Eric. Yeah, just in short, um, basically... The modus operandi what you have is non-profit companies and non-profit organizations that are hijacked. They then apply for proactive funding or they register to, for themselves to be available to receive proactive funding and then they they receive these funds. Um, we're talking for, for the two cases that we've laid in excess of 21 million rands worth of funding that has been distributed to two entities, little to nothing to show for it. And that's our point, really. Um, there's no, once again, no due diligence. There's no know your customer. There's no, all these entities who they're supposed to be. And obviously the oversight from the board and the decision makers aren't what, what, what is expected. So the charges are laid in terms of are suspicious around Prevention of Organized Crime Act, uh, the Corruption Act, RECA, as well as the PFMA. And um, there's, there's some some questions that need to be answered and we will be working closely with the South African Police Service to assist them in the investigation going forward. You will see in the past media scenario or, or past reporting in the media that that some witnesses, not necessarily related to our charges, um, but some witnesses that have been testifying or been prepared to provide information on, on the National Lottery Commission, both their cars have been torched 
and they are from two separate entities. So it's it's clear that that um, something is uh, is amiss there. So yeah. uh, we hope that that the police service will take the matters seriously, and um, we're ready to provide them with what we have. Okay, um, let's. Uh, I'm just. Uh, I'm taking a look at some of the comments. Uh, keep pressing the nerve, and this has come from a number of people. Keep pressing the nerve until the looters can't bear the heat outer. And I'm sure, uh, Wayne, that that's exactly what uh, you intend doing. You won't stop. We won't stop. And you've got no political ambition, just for the record. Eh? You've said it a number please, of times on please, the show. Every, just understand that <laughs> I do not aspire to political office. We, can't, we fight corruption outside the system. I don't want to get stuck inside that system. It just works yeah. too slowly and it's a mess. Okay, well, uh, we've come to the end of our hour and uh, we've been doing it for a couple of weeks. We've been looking at various provinces around the country. Tonight, we're taking a peek at the Northwest Province and I'm going to pose a question or two to you. In fact, I'm giving you three questions tonight. The first two, well, you know... They're, uh, they're not too difficult, but the last one might catch you. First question is, how many people live in the Northwest Province? How many people do you think live in the Northwest Province? Pop that answer in the comment section down below. How many people do you think live in the Northwest? Second question is, what is the capital of the Northwest Province? And then I wanted to throw a little tricky question at you. Uh, which is the biggest town in the Northwest Province? Which town has more people than any other in the Northwest? Do you know? Pop your answers down below. We'll read a couple of answers out in a moment. But I thought uh, while we get in the answers in, and so remember the question, how many people in the Northwest Province? What's the capital? And what's the biggest town or city in the Northwest Province? Um, while we wait for answers to come in. I don't know, have you ever had a uh, heart fountain before, Eric? I, I think you deserve one. Head of investigations for Alta and all the great work you do. I think uh, we should give you a bit of a heart fountain on the screen. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to press my uh, heart button. There we go. Uh, you can see it over there. I hope I can get this right. While, and let's see if we can get a bit of a heart fountain. Look at that. Uh, that's one of the bigger heart fountains we've seen on the show. So, uh, Eric Nettling, for all the hard work you do at Alta, uh, I know that the viewers and certainly uh, myself, we appreciate everything you do. Those hearts, uh, those are the, that's the love that is uh, outpouring for you tonight, Eric, your first heart fountain on the show. Enjoy it. They don't happen that often. Okay, let's go to the answers, shall we? Uh, 1.2 million people, says John Higgers. Judy van Gilsweig says 4 million, and the capital is Mafeken. Da uh, Dagmar Hurleyman says 4.2 million. Koketso uh, Resani says capital Northwest Province is Mahikeng. Uh, Outer is also guessing. I see uh, that Sam and, 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 and Ivor are guessing uh, Mafeken and biggest town, Rustenburg. Warren Peterson says the same, Mafeking and Rustenburg. John Higgers says Rustenburg. Peter Dur uh, Durham says thanks for your hard work. Koketso says the biggest city in Northwest, prob probably Rustenburg. Uh, and I'm watching the answers coming. Well, let me put you out of your misery, right? Here's the population of the Northwest Province. The 2020 estimate is 4.1 million people who live in the Northwest Province. The capital is Mahikeng. You were right if you wrote that down. And here's the tricky one. Uh, and, and I couldn't believe this, but I'm guessing it's true. I, I, I read it on the internet. The biggest town in the Northwest is, here we go, Clarkstorp. So, congratulations, Clarkstorp. You made it onto the show. <laughs> Final comments from Andrea Korf. Andrea, as we say goodbye to our viewers tonight. Thank you, Tom. Uh, yeah, just uh, everybody, thank you again for having me. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to Arta. We, we need you guys. We need you to participate. We need active citizenry. Uh, have a blessed week. Have a great evening. And keep, so keep warm, stay safe, and be kind to one another. Thank you, Andrea. Eric Nietlin. Yeah, from my side, thank you very much. Um, yeah, keep the, keep the, the reports coming through. We might not be able to address all of them but the ones that we do we'll definitely push through to the end and then uh just the last thought in terms of uh, i i do receive a lot of advice and and uh, look in this direction those kind of things please continue addressing those things to, towards us you know we're as good as the as as where you allow us to look so thank you very much for that and and my team of course uh 
as well. Thank you very much. Got it. Outer.co.za is where you head to. The CEO of Outer, Wayne Divinage. Just, just quickly, Tom, firstly to you, thanks for putting a good show together for us, uh, to the comms team, um, and just to the entire Outer team, the 42, 43 staff, awesome, amazing team, the board, and then to our supporters out there without you, well, none of this would happen because we have to pay the salaries of these professionals, our rents, our comms costs, uh, it's an expensive uh, uh, organization um, because we have specialist people. We have people that are passionate, and uh, it's 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 run by you. It's your it's your entity. The more people we can get on board, the more we can employ, the more we can do. Tell your friends, tell your families, and uh, thanks again for everything you guys do. And to Team Outer, you guys are awesome. What an amazing team the Outer team is. The more and more you meet them on screen, I'm sure the more and more you agree. Uh, I will put one positive comment on the screen. So here we go. Anything positive to say about the week ahead or a nice wish for uh, the Outer viewers and the Outer team? Let's see what we can pop on screen quickly. And I just want to put the messages of encouragement that come up around this time. If you haven't hit the like and share button, please do so now. Hit that like button. Hit that share button. Tell people about Outer. Tell people about the Outer website, outer.co.com. Uh, and tell people about the Outer Hour every Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Rachel Fisher says, thanks, Outer. Amazing work. Um, Nicola Jane Good says, thank you, Outer. You rock. Dagmar Hurleyman says, thank you, Outer. Lionel Greenberg says, keep rocking. Uh, Lynn uh, Kennedy wants to make the show longer. And uh, Warren Fouchet says, what are the... Oh, no, that's a question that we can't address right now. My apologies. Um, you guys are superb, says Michael Moore. Brilliant team, says Jody Cook. Team Outer, says Rachel Fisher. Coquetso says, I'm signing up to Outer. You can do that at the outer.co.za website. And I think that's where we'll leave it tonight. That, that's what it's all about, isn't it? As you, as you become more of an active citizen, as you decide to join the fight against tax abuse and maladministration. So one of the steps is to go to outer.coza and hit that join now button. Wayne says it often. It's not about how much money you've got. It's not about whether you're rich or you're poor. Some people can contribute a couple of rands a month. The average donation size is around 110, 120 rand a month and businesses are able to donate as well. Uh, outer is very thankful for the business donations they get. But if you haven't joined yet, then join and, 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 and take a look around the website as a first step to see what this organization, Outer, is all about and the projects that Outer is handling on your behalf as a concerned South African. Uh, we're going to leave it there for tonight. Thank you for joining me wherever you are around the world. We've got people there. Wayne's blowing a kiss, so uh, maybe we'll all blow kisses tonight. So from the Outer Hour team tonight, this show is put together by the Outer Comms and Marketing team, headed by Samantha Van Nispen. Ivor Cleary assists, and Banele Sinatla is our producer. From Andrea Korf, Eric Wayne Divinage and myself. Here's a big kiss goodbye. Mwah! We miss you already. We don't expect the head of investigations to blow kisses to us tonight. We'll leave it there. Listen, have a safe week. Catch you next Wednesday, seven o'clock. Don't be late. It's a day. I miss you. To eradicate corruption, maladministration, unethical leaders, and the abuse of taxpayers' money by those in power continues. It's fresh. It's fearless and focused. The Outer Hour, where your voice matters.